ever hear somebody say we can do this the easy way or we can do it the hard way? I mean, what kind of a choice is that? At Geico.com, everything's easy. Easy to see how much you could save on car insurance. Easy to go paperless by automatically paying your bid online. Easy, easy, easy. So visit Geico.com today. Of course, if you prefer the hard way, I guess you'll have to go someplace else. Sorry, I just don't get it. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Dream Reality New Earth Radio, reminding you that the choice is yours. I'm Dr. Dream with my co-host Ilya Nabatovsky, and now on with the show. Welcome, my dear friends. It is August the 9th, 2011. I am Dr. Dream and... And I am Ilya Nabutovsky. Welcome, Dr. Dream, to our show. Ah, welcome, Ilya. Dream Reality, New Earth Radio. Wow, exciting tonight, isn't it? (laughs) Absolutely. And when isn't it exciting, Dr. Dream? You know what? I made a deal with the universe. If it wasn't exciting, actually, my my direct wording years ago um, to the universe was, if it's not fun, I'm not doing it. So you're absolutely right. It happens to end up being exciting all the time. All I have to do is just stop in that moment to recognize it. Thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> Absolutely, brother. I love, I love, I love how we can easily just create our reality with our actions and with our choices. I mean, it, it's just so effortless, and you, my friend, my brother, are a master at it. So that's that's really awesome. <laughs> and it is awesome, and it is empowering, and it does hit the point home right now of, of what Dream Reality New Earth Radio is really all about, and that is reminding us, reminding us, first of all, that the choice is ours. And then beyond that, what do you want it to be? Let's do it. So I want to hear from you. We've had, it's been a week. Um, Here we are, another Tuesday evening, a wonderful Tuesday evening. You're sitting there uh, in Brooklyn. I'm sitting here in Southern California. And um, I mean, I don't know how it's been for you in the last week because we haven't, um, we've chatted a bit, but not too much. But I mean, between planetary alignments and 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 solar flares and 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 I mean, all of this. I'm serious. It's 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 wild. So I want to hear what's happening on the on the East Coast. Yeah. Well, speaking of serious, um, yesterday on August the eighth was a major alignment. Uh, that had to do with uh, the Earth, the Sun, and Sirius uh, being all in alignment. 
And what happened was um, this alignment actually brought in powerful energies of joy, abundance, and celebration. And um, we had, uh, there was an event yesterday actually in Central Park um, at an obelisk, which is actually right next to the uh, Metropolitan Museum. And uh, we had an amazing event. Uh, about 25 to 30 people showed up. Beautiful ceremony, and it was extremely, extremely powerful. And I spoke to uh, a few other people, and they also definitely felt a lot of new energies um, being brought up onto the surface uh, yesterday uh, at 8-8, which is uh, also called the Lion's Gate Portal. So that that's just a, a quick overview overview of what's been going on uh, in the past couple of days for me. <laughs> I love it. You know, I've spent a lot of time at the obelisk in Central Park. It is also right near Alice in Wonderland, and um, amazing energy and incredible story about that obelisk. So um, thrills me Absolutely. to no end that that's uh, that's what you were doing yesterday. Yeah, and uh, actually speaking of the story, um, I'll just uh, mention it real quick. Uh, the obelisk is actually uh, called Cleopatra's Needle, and it uh, it was originally uh, in Heliopolis in ancient Egypt, uh, and then it was actually moved to Alexandria, um, and, and in the late 1800s, it was brought to New York City. So it has uh, a lot of history to it, and it was a real honor to uh, do a ceremony um, with the obelisk um, in at the center, so it, it was definitely an amazing experience. I love it. I love that you were in the in the heart of Manhattan for this. I've got to tell you that my weekend was a little bit different. Um, <laughs> well, why don't you tell me about it? <laughs> <laughs> On Thursday evening, I went up to uh, north of San Francisco, um, South Marin County. Stayed with um, a dear friend of mine. Um, and I'm going to put a little, I'm going to tease everyone just a little bit with this. You know, we've been, well, you know, you know, 117 events in 87 cities in the last uh, 19 months. Um, and um, that's really the tip of the iceberg for us as far as um, Dr. Dream and the Band of Angels. Um, I have always... Not always, but, you know, for several years, seen a vision of us doing an experience um, in a stadium. So what happens to me in a connection with uh, someone in the last, um, I don't know, five months is that this particular person who I um, stayed stayed with on on Thursday evening has actually flown to Dallas, Texas, to Dallas Cowboy Stadium to look at renting the stadium for three days for an event for us. And i got to tell you, wow. that stadium holds 100,000 people. Okay, that's big. And it's got the largest monitor, the largest screen, 60 yards wide, 40 yards tall of anywhere. Mm. And so um, my associate took uh, some uh, of... Uh, videos that we'll be working with, actually working with a Burning Man of um, higher consciousness visuals. 
and they put them up there, and I saw the video of this, of how it looks on the 60-yard screen. Unbelievable. So that was my Thursday night. Talk about getting the, you know, let's manifest, create, attract something incredible that relates to the why of our existence. And then on Friday, I drive up to um, Mendocino County, where I spend time every month, and um, we're up there on Blue Lake, and it is one of the most incredible, pristine, amazing lakes that I have ever been to. And and that's where I spent three days swimming in the lake, and I, I just have to share one experience with you, and, and, and you know, you, you know me as well as anyone else, Ilya, I... Um, I'm moving around a lot. The ideas are flowing. There's, you know, there's constant just everything. I don't always take that opportunity just to sit and just be. Things right. are moving so fast, just moving so fast. So I was sitting on the dock all alone on this lake, just looking at the water down to the 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 um, you know, through the water, seeing the 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 floor of the lake and. Um, in in places, I think it's a thousand feet deep. This lake is. It's just. It's it's incredible. And I saw um, dragonflies skimming the 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 tranquil waters. And and I saw um, an extended family of ducks in formation, just gliding by in front of me. And and the clouds gently moving. And I mean, the next thing I know, just tears streaming down my face. Just it struck me just the that that in that moment that beauty was so whelming for me that I couldn't keep my emotion in. And basically that's what my entire weekend was like. Wow, just hearing about that really puts me into that stillness and really allows me to take in the essence of your experience on a deeper level and uh I'm just really, really blown away um, just by hearing you talk about it and at the same time uh, bring the, the passion and the excitement and really the energy of what the experience was about. So I, I, I feel that in my heart and um, I'm truly grateful that you had the, the, uh, the honor to experience that. It's just thrilling times. These are those thrilling times and it's 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 as nonstop as ever right now. And what you said before, I maybe would have taken exception to even like a year ago, talking about how effortlessly, effortlessly everything's happening right now. But you know what? All the effort just goes into me getting out of my own way, and then and then it truly is effortless. It's just it just happens and flows, and it's amazingly beautiful. Yes, absolutely, and I. I've come to the realization, you know, um, you know, as well that, you know, life just like life just flows. And when we were interviewing Daryl Anka, one of his uh, last words to us was, you don't have to make life work. You just have to allow it because it already works. And that's the beauty of it is just surrendering to, the, to life and to the flow of source and getting out of the way and, just flowing with it on that same wavelength and, and just shifting that perspective. And once you do, you realize that it was effortless all along. And it's such a beautiful thing. It is 
a beautiful thing. And so awesome that we get to be here experiencing this together. And you know what? At this moment, I think the best thing that we can do is get out of our own way and introduce this evening's guest. What do you think? I love that idea. Why don't we go ahead and do that? (laughs) (laughs) So I have um, a very good friend that um, uh, I met probably about eight years ago or so. um, And he called me last week and – or the week before, I think it was. Whatever it was, he called. He loved the show with Jenny Ross. Um, he's he's into Ron Living Foods, and and he said, you know, I, he he just knows some amazing people, and he knows me well, and and so he said, you know, I I've, I've got some someone that that I think would be excellent to be on the show. And I said, great, you know, let's let's get the information, and and boy, did I get the information. And so tonight's guest is quite accomplished. Um, He has done his own radio show. He has uh, been the interviewer, the interviewee. He is an author. He is a chiropractor. Uh, He's most certainly um, a holistic healing uh, practitioner, having been in the healing arts for over 35 years. His latest book is titled Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise. And so for tonight's show, Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise, Create Your Plan, I am absolutely, incredibly thrilled to introduce our guest this evening, Dr. David Kamnitzer. Dr. David, are you with us? I am, and uh, thank you, Dr. Dream, and you you guys can call me Dr. David. (laughs) <laughs> I love it. Wonderful. Thank you so much for taking time out of your uh, schedule to be here, and and most definitely um, kudos to our our mutual friend uh, who is responsible for connecting us and and um, giving giving us this opportunity to get some amazing uh, information um, out there. And and that's really what you're all about, isn't it, Dr. David? Well, actually, the way I think about it is it is important to have accurate and powerful information, but there's so much information out there that if information alone was the key factor in making things work, things would already be working really great right now because of all the explosion of information. And so the way I think about my work is a little different I think about it in terms of the word access, A-C-C-E-S-S, and the word expression. And so what my work is really about is helping people to have more consistent access to what I call their authentic self. You know, there's a lot of different traditions that have different words for that ground of being, that that state of, of oneness. And then once people are more firmly rooted in that ground of being, to assist them in the unfoldment of that expression, of that authenticity into a world that at this point in time and space is still very ego-based. And so it's uh, kind of like Joseph Campbell's 
a myth of the hero where there's really two parts to the journey. You know, one part, the hero leaves the valley where he or she was raised among the people and eventually has to make the journey alone up the mountain. And at the top of the mountain, they receive that knowledge, that knowingness, that access to that authenticity of being. But that's not the end of the journey. Then then the hero comes back down off the mountain, and then he or she interacts and lives in the valley again among the people to extend the love that they have connected with. And so I really see that the journey has two phases, and it's not like it one part happens and then the other part happens. It's it's a dynamic, it's a dance, and it's it's a spiral process that's going on. So I would say, Dr. Dream, that information is a part of it, accurate and timely information, but really I think about my work more in the context of accessing and expressing authentic selfhood and helping people to remove the blockages to that access and to facilitate the flow of that expression. And I also like to thank uh, our mutual friend Sunwolf for uh getting us together. I agreed to do this because I have a lot of uh faith and trust in Sunwolf and I know that he knows who I am and what I'm all about and that uh he really wants to facilitate um getting the, this energy out there. So I'm glad to be here. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Now, want to get a little bit, I mean, I know that you've been um, a chiropractor for over 22 years um, and a healing uh, practitioner for even longer than that. Um, give us a little bit of an idea of, you know, how all this came about for you. Okay. Uh, it, uh, it's a great question, and it takes a little bit of time to give you an answer that really has some power to it, but I will do that. So um, I was born to uh, Western European intellectual parents in Los Angeles in the mid-1950s, and I grew up in a home that was basically an agnostic home where there was no religious dogma at all. I would say if there was the closest thing to a god, I would say, in our home was education and the intellect and the importance of using one's mind to think for oneself. And I'm very grateful that there was not a lot of dogma laid on me, and I was given the freedom and the encouragement to think for myself, but there was no acknowledgement of spirit um, in our house. Uh, My parents had been traumatized quite a bit by Hitler and by World War II, and so their faith, I think, in life had been shaken quite a bit. And that was sort of the context in which I was raised. I was the older of two sons. My younger brother, five years younger than me, is mildly autistic, probably what today we would call like an Asperger's type of situation. And so that had a big impact on my parents and on the whole family system adjusting to that and uh, I was I think always kind of a thoughtful more serious deeper child than most 
children, and uh, I was pretty sensitive. I was uh, this world, I think, was a little more shocking to me than I had bargained for. I was a pretty sensitive soul, and I was actually very slightly cross-eyed until about the age of three. But fortunately, I had a conservative pediatrician that let nature run its course, and I think finally I kind of landed on the physical plane in a fuller way. And uh, I remember always being uh, caring and thoughtful, and uh, there are certain things that came pretty easily to me, uh, mathematics, always came quite easy to me and uh, like I said I, I, I also had a natural gift as a teacher from a very young age even my elementary school students recognized that teachers recognized that gift if there was something I knew how to do or I understood I was always willing and able to teach it and I enjoyed teaching from the very beginning and I had a gift for it no one had to teach me how to teach I just kind of always knew how to teach, and I just kind of coasted through school, um, elementary school and high school, sort of on my <clears throat> natural intelligence. There was nothing that particularly inspired me, um, but I do remember as a child asking some pretty deep questions. Uh, uh, I didn't really have the language for it as a child, but if I was looking back on the questions that I was really living inside as a young person, as a child and a teenager, it would probably go something like this. Probably go something like, well, if there really is a God and there really is a, this oneness and there really is this love, how come there's so much suffering in the world? How come so many people are so sick and unhealthy and unhappy and unsuccessful and how come people are treating each other in such uh, cruel, mean ways. I was trying to make sense of this. And uh, you have to understand, I didn't have any spiritual or theological background to fall back on, good or bad. I just had my own awareness. And I had no idea <clears throat> where I was going to get the answers to these questions, but Excuse me. Somehow I just had the courage and the commitment to live inside these questions even before I really had the the accurate language that I'm describing it with now. But looking back, I can see that it was living that question that really was driving my journey through life. And then uh, I remember my mother going back to school when I was a teenager uh, she wanted to become a psychiatric social worker. She'd been pretty influenced by some therapy that she'd had in relation to dealing with my brother's autism. She decided to go back to school. And I remember as a young teenager, I remember picking up some of my mother's psychology textbooks and just kind of browsing through them. And I remember thinking that a lot of it was kind of nonsense, kind of had to do with studying rats and behaviorism and things that really didn't click for me, but I remember reading about humanistic psychology and reading about Maslow and his hierarchy of needs, and it kind of pointed to a more spiritually open psychology, and I remember that really clicking in with me and making sense. And uh, so I graduated from uh, from high school, and I was getting ready to go to college, and uh, myself and three friends during the summer between high school and college, uh, I was 
showing them where I was going to go to school, uh, about 100 miles up the coast in Santa Barbara. And we were about two-thirds of the way there, <clears throat> driving on the freeway, and all of a sudden I heard this uh, explosion. I didn't know what it was. But then all of a sudden I started losing control of my car, and I was on the freeway in the second lane from the left, and I started to drift over to the right, and I was out of control. I didn't know it at the time, but my left rear inner tube had exploded, and I had lost control of the car. And the next thing I knew, well, then I basically obviously was taken out of my body because I completely, everything just went to complete nothingness. And then it must have been about maybe in what physical time must have been about maybe eight, ten seconds later, I was back in my body and all of a sudden the car was completely on the right edge of the freeway on a 90-degree angle uh, facing the center of the freeway and I was going backwards over the curb that defined the freeway and I was going down an embankment and we hit like a four-foot, after about 150 feet, we hit like a four-foot wall of a quarry of rock, but we hit trunk first, so we were all thrown back into the seats. And so miraculously, none of us had a scratch on us. The car was totaled, but, uh, you know, I didn't think anything of it other than that I was really lucky. I really didn't have any context for understanding what might have happened there. But I look back on it and realize that it was a very significant event, that there were some major soul choices that were made during that time in terms of coming or going and if I was going to stay, what it was all going to be about. But I didn't know any of that at the time. I just knew I was lucky. And then I went on to my freshman year in college, and it was one of those kind of dark night of the soul kind of years where I was trying, it was my first time away from my family, and I was consciously using the year to expose myself to different kinds of people and ideas and practices to kind of see what would hit me. And it was one of those years where whatever I was exploring, that wasn't it. And then I'd explore something else, and that wasn't it. And it got to the point where I was feeling really kind of bewildered and kind of out of it, like wondering, you know, was there something wrong with me? Was there something wrong with other people? Was there something wrong with the world? Was there something wrong with all of the above? But I just, I knew I needed to regroup. And so when the school year was over, I moved back in with my parents for about five months and then um, transferred to UCLA and then I kind of got back on my feet and then got started again in my second year of college and that's really when my whole life started to turn around this was about a year and a half after the car accident and uh, I started meeting people who I didn't know what it was that they were tuned into but whatever it was that's what I wanted they had an aliveness they had an authenticity they had a heart-centeredness they had um, an alacrity Um, there was something about them and again I didn't really have the vocabulary because I didn't have any formal spiritual background but now I would look back and I would say these people were really tuned in to who they were and were authentically living and being and I knew that whatever they had connected with I knew I wanted that 
and I knew that somehow that was in me, and somehow that's what I had always been looking for. And so this was back in late, like November 1974, and what it turned out to be was that all of these people had done something called the S-Training, and the S-Training was a was something that was developed by a man named Warner Earhart, and it basically was a structured experience that was designed to help people to wake up from the illusory superstitions that they were caught up in, and uh, and it worked for a lot of people. And so, to make a long story short, I ended up taking the S training back in February of 1975, and you know some people had you know, an interesting experience. Some people got some growth, but there was a subset of people who took the S training that had almost a Satori-like enlightenment type of realization. And I was in that smaller subpopulation. And so here I was, uh, two months short of my 19th birthday, kind of a screwed-up kid on one level, but on another level had had a legitimate direct experience of being and um you know to my credit i i didn't shut down that experience and i didn't go into denial about the healing that i needed to do at the personality level either so i acknowledged the courage that i had to be with both of those levels of reality at the same time and to be sensitive to both of those and so i knew i had a lot of healing to do I knew I had to get my act together. I knew I had a lot of emotions that were repressed. I knew I had a lot of forgiveness that I needed to do. I I knew I needed to clean up my act. But somehow I was coming from this place of knowing and this place of faith. And I think, you know, some people might say it's because of past lives or whatever, but for some reason, shortly after that realization... Um, in my conscious mind, it was almost like a download from the uh, from from the cosmos. All of a sudden, all of this knowledge started becoming available to me, and I had this uh, this not this compulsion, but in a good way. I mean, the word I, I had this inspiration to start sharing what it is that I was discovering, and I was tapping into that ability that I told you I had my whole life as a teacher and people just started you know because of the energy and how i was being people just started spontaneously asking for guidance and i was just spontaneously put into healing and teaching situations and eventually was guided to all sorts of really wonderful healers and teachers along the way and my journey continued to unfold and unfold and unfold and uh realized that I not only had highly developed teaching abilities, but I also had highly developed energetic sensitivities that I could uh, put to the benefit of other people for healing. And I'd always had a good mind and uh, kind of put that all together and uh, just have continued to unfold my journey, uh, I would say primarily as a student. I, I think that's probably my primary stance in life is I love to learn and uh, out of that 
learning combined with my teaching abilities. You know, I'm constantly sharing with other people the things that I'm discovering and learning. And uh, because of my love for learning, I've, you know, probably literally read thousands and thousands of books and listened to thousands of recordings and taken hundreds of classes and taught hundreds of classes and, you know, been on the radio hundreds of times and, you know, scores of television shows. And so I'm really basically a light worker who I think came to this time and space really for the times that you guys were describing you know, this time of tremendous transition where this old patriarchal energy this is breaking down and these new higher frequencies and the honoring of the feminine energy is coming in and all the old structures, internal and external, that are based on all these old energies are breaking down every day. And, uh, you know, my commitment is to embody a more balanced way of being and living and to demonstrate that in my own livingness and then to help other people who who resonate with it and i think the keys are the keys are to to honor this new light and this new feminine energy that's coming in on the planet and to integrate it into a balanced expression of the masculine energies to create a synergy that is allowing whatever is new that's needing to emerge to come in a balanced expression. And, uh, you know, that's what I stand for, and that's what I share with other people. And, uh, you know, I think the keys are, you know, on one hand, you got to have kind of your inner life together. You know, you you have to know how to feel your feelings. You have to be aware of your thoughts. You have to um, be willing to know truth. You have to be willing to let go of that which is false. You have to forgive. You have to learn how to take responsibility without blaming. And so there's a lot that needs to happen on the inner. And then on the outer, you know, we need to respect the elements. We need to respect the earth. We need to respect our bodies. And we need to learn how to cooperate with all of those things. I may need to call you back in on another phone because the phone that I'm using, I think the battery's going to die out in a couple minutes, so I may call you back on another line. But that's that's kind of a long answer to a question you asked me, but to try to give a background (laughs) of understanding and relatedness of who I am and kind of how I got to be where I am and what's important to me, that, that might be a foundation that will help the listeners. Oh, absolutely, Dr. David. What One of the things I love, oh, by the way, let us know when you want to switch phones and we can uh, make that segue happen. Okay. okay, I'm calling in right now with the other phone. Okay, perfect. Let me, let me find you. Are you, are you on, are you waiting for, uh, there you are. Okay, so I'm just switching over right now. Are you with us? Ilya, are you with us? I am with you. Okay. I believe there's some sort of... Yep, hold on one sec. 
<laughs> Dr. David, are you with us? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, yes. Okay, great. So I'm here. Perfect. And uh, one so of the things. A little bit of background as to kind of some of the forces that were driving me and kind of what some of my gifts are and kind of how I got to be where I am and kind of what I'm all about. One of the aspects of your story that I love is that, you know, before turning 19, this realization, this greater realization, um, makes its way into your consciousness. I just love that. And it's obvious um, in your story, and what I already know of you outside of um, outside of this broadcast is that from that time, on some level, obviously deeper levels, as time went on, you have fully dedicated yourself to your path. That makes you the the perfect guest for Dream Reality New Earth Radio, and um, and I really honor. Uh, you and what what your path has been about. Now, I I do want to ask a couple of questions, okay? You have this um, foundation-rattling, I would imagine, experience uh, prior to being 19 years old. Did this catch you off guard? I can only think back to when I was 18 years old, um, and I was having some pretty amazing experiences, but wasn't quite thrust into the conscious awareness it sounds like you were tell us tell us how that was for a for for a teen well you know i think it was you know on at a level of my nervous system i think it was very much like a kundalini type of experience with opening up to that level of energy and i knew that i was on the cusp of something major because i'd been around these other people and i knew that there was something that if I knew that I knew, that would open that up for me. And the discovery was very much, I'm sure, like it has been for you guys and for anybody else who touches that level of awareness. It's not like you get to anywhere. It's you discover that you've always been forever already there. And so it's mm-hmm. that kind of a, it's that kind of an awareness where you realize that that which you've been seeking is that which you've always been and always shall be. So it's, you know, it kind of turns the world upside down for a little bit. But, um, you know, I would say, you know, like any other type of bolt, lightning bolt kind of experience, there is, you know, some stress on the nervous system and some stress on the psyche because your your nervous system and your psychology is being kind of blown open in a certain kind of a way and yet um and yet somehow there was this knowingness that it was right and that uh somehow I would handle it even though I knew I had a big road ahead of me in order to make real what I had known to be so to make it real in my human experience somehow it was not coming from an ego place. Somehow I had this knowing that uh, that sort of the force was was with me, so to speak, and that somehow somehow it was all going to work out. I love it. That's great. Perfect. And so <clears throat> here you are now, um, a chiropractor. Now, just hearing your story tonight, the research that I've done, speaking with Sunwolf, 
I I'd have to say you're anything but a conventional chiropractor. <laughs> you still with us? Yeah, I I was just kind of waiting for a question. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to let you weigh in on that. Yeah. So what I want to hear is, you know, what is it like for someone who comes to your practice? You know, because like I say obvious obviously it's not like you're this standard sort of chiropractor if there is such a thing and people come in once a week and they get adjustments and then they're out of there. I mean, you're really hitting on all levels and from from the, the bio that we put together based on your material and everything else, it's really impressive where you're going with all of this and I'm taking it that like the the chiropractic is just one aspect of outreach from from your toolbox of of who you are and and what you have to offer is that I'm going to let you fine tune it. You know, like if the like if your listeners have like a, a piece of paper and a pen, if you could draw a triangle, and on the top angle of the triangle you could write say your inner world, which we talked about, and on the lower left angle you would write the word biochemistry, and that's sort of all the things that directly affect your biochemistry that. You know, biochemical interventions like what you eat, what you drink, uh, what kind of chemicals you're exposed to, the quality of the soil your food is grown in, the kind of toothpaste you use, the kind of detergent you use, uh, the vitamins and minerals you take. All of that you could put under biochemistry. And then on the lower right, you could put the word structure and movement. And that's the condition of your physical structure your physical body in space and how you exercise and how you move and how you use your body. And you could look at that, and that's a model that um, myself and other people have developed. And it's a nice model for giving people kind of a big picture in a simple way and to say, hey, look, you make an intervention in any one of these angles, and it affects the whole triangle. So, for example... If you go from eating Hostess Twinkies to eating to drinking wheatgrass juice, that's a biochemical intervention into the triangle, into the system. But that's going to have a ripple effect on the whole triangle. It's going to have an effect on your psyche. It's going to have an effect on how you carry yourself. And if you make a big change in your posture or in your exercise regimen or in your breathing patterns, for example... Maybe that's a change that you're making from the lower right angle of the triangle, but that's going to affect your biochemistry. That's going to affect your moods. And then, of course, if you make a big change in your inner world where you take on a new quality or you let go of a resentment, obviously that can have a direct effect on your biochemistry and a direct effect on how you carry yourself. So this is a model which I call the triad of health which is somewhat overly simplified, but it still has a lot of power. And this is sort of a way that everybody, no matter where they're coming into the practice, they get exposed to this fundamental triad of health. And then based on how they respond to that, it becomes pretty obvious pretty soon about where people are at and where they want to go. And, of course, because of my reputation and the fact that my practice grows primarily by either word of mouth or 
somebody hearing me on the radio like this, people kind of get a feeling of my vibe already. And so, you know, someone who's just looking for the kind of chiropractor where you come in for 30 seconds and the chiropractor, you're lying down on the table and the chiropractor comes in and they do one adjustment, two adjustment, three adjustment, and then they say, see you in two days. Obviously, the person that's looking for that isn't probably going to be finding me in the first place. So I think it's a combination of the way my practice has evolved organically combined with the fact that I do attempt to build a bridge to make everybody feel comfortable about where they're at and I don't judge anybody as being better or worse for where they're at. And I try to create a foundation of understanding so that I can build a bridge to where they are and if they relate to it and it makes sense, then I just accept people where they are and basically who I am is a is an invitation to people. You know, I'm really a possibility. I'm really a space of possibility for people. And then people sort of create their own relationship within that space of possibility. And I don't, and I don't judge it. But with that being said, I would, I would say that as I get older, and as I start thinking about, you know, the legacy that I want to leave this world with. I do find myself focusing more on people that are more consciously on the path, people that are more committed to this possibility, not only for themselves, but also to empower others. And that really leads into what my main passion is in my life right now in terms of uh, my professional life. And that is that my main passion right now is helping to develop what I call transformational leaders. And what I mean by that is people that are sufficiently grounded in that authentic being space and have the skills necessary to not only be in that space and to express themselves from that space, which is a big deal in and of itself, But in addition to that, they also have another level of being where not only are they able to do that, but they're also able to create a space for other people that want to be that and do that to be able to be that and do that more easily. And so that's what I'm defining as a transformational leader because I'm realizing that no matter how transformed I am, no matter how enlightened I am, no matter how deeply I know myself, I know that in terms of my ability to leverage that impact in the world today, that it's going to come primarily by impacting other people to function at that level and beyond. So that's my big focus and passion now, the area of transformational leadership. I honestly honor you, Dr. David. Uh, Thank you again uh, for your wonderful work. Um, Now, I want to ask you uh, a little bit more in detail uh, about your work and really uh, how you integrate uh, spirituality uh, in your uh, field. And uh, really, uh, if you can just kind of guide us through uh, some of your methods or techniques and really give us an idea of what you do and how it is you do it. 
Well, I want to take a step back and say that I am happy to talk about what I do, but I want to say that my honest experience from observing tens of thousands of interactions with patients and students combined with observing thousands of other teachers and healers, I have to say that probably about 60 to 70% of the equation has nothing to do with the question you asked. The question you asked was, what do I do? And I would say that about 60 to 70% of the impact has to do just with, with who I'm being. And I know yeah. that's kind of a weird-sounding uh, assertion, but I stand by that assertion. <clears throat> and I actually, you know, can say with a very high level of confidence that about 60 to 70% of the impact that I have with people is just my vibration, who I'm being. And then within that, of course, I do have a commitment to excellence and impeccability in what I do and how I do it. But it's interesting, the question that you asked reflects a bias of the United States consciousness, which is so focused on doing and is so convinced that the answer is in doing. And of course, as human beings, we need to be doing something. But there's something about this over-focused thing on doing that somehow is not serving us. So I would take a step back and just preface my remarks by saying about two-thirds of it has to do with who I'm being. Or for a different way of saying that is when I'm training healers, I, I challenge them with this statement. I tell them that your most important job in life from this point on, if you really are a committed healer at the level we're talking about healing, that your most important job right now is to be and do and have whatever you need to be, do, and have so that you keep your vibration as clear and high as possible 24-7. Absolutely. And that's quite a commitment. That's quite a commitment. That's quite a commitment. So, for example, um, it affects all areas of my life. So, for example... I can't hold on to a resentment because if I hold on to a resentment, I know that that compromises keeping my vibration clear and high. Or, for example, I can't have a beer the night before I work because I know that that amount of alcohol in my system has a slight impact on the clarity of my vibration the next day. So I don't do this from a position of martyrhood. I do it from a from a position of joy and free choice, but um, what I'm saying is that it requires to heal at this level and to teach at this level requires a level of commitment at a being level that our society doesn't know much about. It's like that level of commitment is something that is not part of the American conversation very much, except maybe like you might find it in a bunch of soldiers that are maybe like in Navy SEALs training or something, you might find that level of commitment. But in our sort of um, laissez-faire, quote, democratic, relativistic culture that we live in, that level of discipline that's based on joy and free choice and that level of commitment 24-7 is not common. 
And so I would preface my remarks by saying that that's probably two-thirds of the ball game. Mm. Uh, do you want me to go on or do you want to respond to that? Um, I would like you to please continue. Okay. So within that, I'm always looking at what works and what doesn't, and I'm always looking at my failures. I'm always looking at where I'm not producing the result at the level that I want to do it, and I'm always looking for what is needed for the breakthrough. You know, so I don't, I don't shy away from my failures. I embrace my failures and know that there's something there for me to learn. And so, you know, I, I think what I did was probably what anybody else would do who would be in that same boat is I tried to expose myself to the best healers and teachers and practices and systems and information and people that I could possibly find and expose myself to them and see what rubs off on me and then use that as a foundation for my own creativity and my own channel to the infinite and using that as a foundation uh, and my desire to serve other people allow new information and new techniques to unfold that are built on top of that or blend on that or improve on that. And that is sort of the dance that I do that just keeps kind of unfolding and unfolding and unfolding. So with that being said, what are the main interventions that I make with other human beings? Well, one thing I do is I have conversations with people. Well, first of all, you know, there's this energetic impact that we talked about that's sort of 60 to 70% of the game. But going on from that, if you look at, okay, what are the interventions that I actually make with people? Well, one is I have conversations with people. So you could call that a linguistic domain intervention. In other words, I ask people questions, I make suggestions, and so obviously that's one way to impact a human being is to have some conversations with them where there's kind of a exploratory vibe to it. There's a process of mutual discovery. New distinctions are made. New possibilities emerge. New questions are asked. And so, um, you know, very much sort of like a Socratic type of an inquiry or any type of deep inquiry where you're asking questions, not necessarily to find the answer, but you're asking questions because the question itself becomes a space, a new space from which to be and to look from. So, you know, that type of linguistic intervention is a big part of what I do. Then um, on an energetic basis, I am gifted with my sensitivity to energy to be able to perceive and move energy and so a lot of what I do is evaluate energy fields, evaluate chakra systems and help to balance those things. I evaluate the physical structure of the human body. I evaluate the energetic condition of organs and glands by doing sophisticated reflex type of analysis. And so um, these are, level, you know, occasionally I'll do lab work, blood work, saliva work, et cetera, et cetera. So... Um, I'm gathering information and I'm making interventions. Sometimes they'll be on an energetic level or a linguistic level. Sometimes I'll suggest a particular herb or homeopathic remedy or flower remedy or combination of supplements 
I might recommend a dietary change. I might recommend particular types of breathing exercises or exercise practices, or I might give people homework that has to do with communication practices. Um, so the intervention, oh, and then I might make interventions structurally. I might do some form of chiropractic manipulation or soft tissue work or neuromuscular repatterning type work. But So I'm doing these different things that make these interventions on these different angles of the triangle. And But mostly what I'm doing is I'm providing a relationship for people that they probably never had in their life. I'm providing a relationship with a person who's awake and a, a person who's present, a person who acknowledges their being on levels that they probably weren't even consciously aware of, but because you honor them at that level, they do eventually, most people eventually begin to respond and wake up at the level that you're acknowledging them. So I would say basically what I'm doing is I'm providing a living example of a different way of being, of a new possibility of being. And then I'm functioning as a guide and a coach and a teacher and a healer for people that want to be guided along that journey by me. And um, so I think the main thing I give them is I give them unconditional love and I give them my full 100% presence and I tell them the truth as far as I know it. I tell them right up front that I'll I, I'll never sugarcoat it. I'll never bullshit them. I tell them right away. They might not always like what I say, but every t- everything I tell them is going to be from my highest understanding at that moment in time. And so I think it's the combination of where I'm coming from and my breadth and depth of knowledge and skills that kind of synergize together to create whatever breakthroughs are happening there. And then... And then I also, you know, I'm open to the realization that I'm not doing the healing. You know, that I'm just creating a space for that person to heal themselves. And so that, you know, that I think is what has kept me balanced. You know, in a game where a lot of healers get out of balance after a while, I think that humility has kept me healthy and has kept me in the game. And... uh You know, the other thing that I think I offer people is a community because what happens is is that over time, you know, I've been in this game long enough now that I have a lot of patients, I have a lot of students, I've got a lot of friends. And as you know, when you go on a journey like this and you start changing consciousness and the people around you might not be changing, it's a little scary and you kind of feel like you're all alone. And so, you know, by helping them to meet other people, you know, maybe at a class event teaching or an event, for people to realize that they're not alone, that they that they can be part of a conscious, intentional community, even though maybe they need to let go of some old things, by knowing that there's a new community that they can move toward, it psychologically makes it easier for people to let go of the old. And so I think those are some of the things that I provide people that end up being being powerful for them. Hmm. I have a question, Dr. David. Now, tell me, based on 
what you've been seeing, let's say, in the last year. I think we would all agree that the last year alone has been things have sped up uh, more than ever, and it's been a fascinating time. What have you been seeing in broad strokes in the past year, um, and 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 how do you believe that's playing into what's happening with the, the evolution of the collective? That's a great question. I'll tell you what I'm seeing. I'll tell you my theory about it, and I'll tell you how I'm responding. So my theory is that what's happening is that from the soul, from the from the sun and beyond, we're being exposed to a whole new level of frequencies and consciousness, and it's affecting our entire solar system, especially here on on Gaia, and so. So we're, first of all, we're getting exposed to a whole new set of frequencies in general. Secondly, I think what's happening is that the feminine energy is coming alive again. And I think those two things are combining to catalyze most of the changes that are happening. And so what's happening is these new energies are intersecting with a culture and a psyche that's been based on a patriarchal dominance that can no longer withstand these new frequencies. And so you have all of these internal and external structures that are breaking down that aren't designed to handle the new energies. And what's happening is that to the extent that people are identified with these internal and external structures that are breaking down, they're very frightened and they're kind of in a chronic stress type of situation. And that's sort of, I think, the condition that we're in where we have this incredible opportunity for a breakthrough because we have all these new frequencies, but for most people, they're not available to the opportunities because they're so identified with the breakdowns, with the structures that are breaking down. So uh, that's my take big picture. And then in terms of how it's playing out in our society, you know, I see it uh, that what's happening is that um, People are afraid, and what they're doing is they're overwhelmed, and so they're shrinking down their world of concerns, and they're kind of trying to hunker down and take care of their own and take care of their family and try to protect their turf, you know, and that's kind of a dangerous situation because it creates a lot of polarization. And then in addition to that, you have the increasing destruction of our topsoil, which so weakens our food supply, which weakens people's bodies and minds. And so I think these are some of the major challenges. And yet on the other side, you know, there's tremendous opportunities. You know, like, for example, what's going on right now where somebody anywhere in the world in real time or in virtual time can listen to a, an in-depth interview of this quality without commercial interruption for free this is something that would be unheard of even 15 years ago. So the, you know, the things that Google makes available to anybody who has an Internet connection for free is just mind-boggling. I can't imagine existing without all the things I use with Google. Um, the, the, the way the Internet has transformed things, the way that low-cost communication and information transfer, it creates all sorts of new possibilities. But I think what needs to happen is as the culture goes through this breakdown, it becomes more and more important for people to take responsibility for creating uh, their own networks of support 
in their own communities. And this is the thing that I've noticed in the last year. I've noticed that, you know, when I was in practice 20 years ago, I could focus most of my energies on the individual. And we could work on those three angles of the triangle. And we could have a big breakthrough without having to pay that much attention to the social environment and the community environment for that individual. But what I'm finding over the last few years, especially the last two years, is that if I want to be effective in getting the job done with people, I not only need to address all those angles of the triangle, but I need to start asking questions and finding out about the other triangles that this person has in their life. You know, what's their marriage like? What's their job like? What are their friends like? And to to to, I've discovered the hard way that I can't take that for granted anymore, that I need to put on the mat for people. Look, if you really want to have high levels of wellness, you not only have to address these three angles of the triangle, but we need to start to take a look at the social and community environment in which your personhood as an individual is existing and not take that for granted because as society breaks down more and more, if you just don't take responsibility for your social and community environment, you're going to kind of go down with a sinking ship. And I would say that's been the biggest change. And so I've started shifting my practice for it to be more of a balance of individual work with people and then group uh interactions, group educational experiences, group events to help to promote that type of intentional community that I'm finding needs to be part of the equation. And that fits in really well with my theory that a lot of what's happening is the waxing of feminine energy because feminine energy has a lot to do with networking. It has a lot to do with community. It has a lot to do with um sort of the foundational exchanges of energy among people and families and groups. And I would say that's the biggest shift that I've had to make in order to continue to be effective with people. Mm, Now, I have uh, a follow-up question to that, and uh, this is regarding uh, the foresight. And I'm curious as to what your theory is on uh, the next year uh, in 2012 and the shifting in consciousness. And as we see, there are a lot of people that are uh, flowing with uh, the evolution of consciousness and evolving. However, there are people that are uh, staying uh, very dense. So how do you see that splitting uh, taking, well, uh, taking form? I see more of a split between people who are willing and able to flow with the new frequencies and people who are not willing and able. I think there are a lot of people that are going to be leaving their physical bodies over the next 17 months because they're not willing or able to integrate the new frequencies. So I think you might find more and more people that you know passing away. And then another thing I think you'll see is that people that are willing and able to embrace the new light and love frequencies are going to find a lot of help from a lot of unexpected places. That if people are willing to take responsibility for their reality, that there's going to be a lot of help from a lot of quarters in the universe that maybe a lot of people don't expect. So I think there's going to be a lot of breakthroughs 
and technologies. I think we're beginning to see, if you look at what happened on Friday and you look at what happened yesterday, you know, we're beginning to see that um, people are realizing that in terms of the whole financial game on the planet, we're starting to realize at a deeper collective level that the emperor has no clothes. And I think, you know, we're beginning to see the, we're, we're, we're seeing the beginning of the end of an entire um, financial structure that's been designed primarily not to promote life, but to dominate life and to enslave life. And so I think you're going to see a lot of changes there going back to some kind of a, some kind of a, um, unit of accounting and medium of exchange that's not fiat money where people and governments and private banks can't print money out of thin air, that it's going to have to be backed by some actual reserve, whether it's gold or some other real resource. I think we're inevitably going to see that shift. I think we're going to have to see a lot of debt forgiveness because it's going to be mathematically impossible to ever square things up based on the fractional banking system that we have. I think there's going to be a lot of technological breakthroughs that are going to become available to the public that have been hidden in terms of um, taking energy production out of proprietary interests and the availability of more free energy kind of devices, which is going to change the game and the balance of power immediately, you know, dramatically. I think we'll probably see some drastic changes in tax, taxation policy as well. And uh, I think there'll be some a lot of breakthroughs in uh, the healing arts in terms of more energetically based healing devices that will become more available over the next five or ten years as well. So that's sort of the broad strokes of what I see. I see more uh, sort of uh, hybrid type of community living where people of like mind come together in pods of maybe 50 to 100 people and they have their own nuclear family, but they also have community space and they uh, combine the best of uh, a nuclear family but also an extended family. You know, I think this type of design that is kind of a combination of privacy and community, uh, there's a lot of experimentation that's been done with this uh, you know, especially in places that are a little more open-minded, like maybe Sweden or maybe certain areas of Colorado or maybe New England, you know, places that are a little more open-minded where the land isn't as expensive as it is out here in San Francisco. I think we're going to see a lot more experiments in community living. I think we're going to see more employee ownership of companies and means of production. Uh, you know, I think uh, food technology and nutrition technology is going to improve more and more to where people can get all the nutrients they need and get the toxins they need out of their body without having to consume too many calories or having to go to doctors too much. So I think there's going to be a lot of breakthroughs, um, both technologically and both sort of in terms of uh, uh changes in systems that are going to be more equitable and more just and more fair. Um, but, of course, that transition period, because the powers that be 
don't want to have that happen. And so I think part of our job, those of us who kind of get what's going on, I think our job is to help to ease this transition so that um, there's more of a fluid um, flow of resources because, you know, there might be one day where your family is out of a job, but if other people in the community can support you during that period and then you can get back on your feet and then maybe somebody else in the community is out of a job for a while and the energies can flow back to that person, I think we're going to go to a much more fluid form of sharing of resources and I think we're going to get rid of the duplication of resources. For example, it's ridiculous that in a suburban area that every homeowner has their own lawnmower. You know, that doesn't make any sense. If people would just get to know their neighbor and say, hey, you know, what if we had four lawnmowers for the whole block instead of 25 lawnmowers for the block, you know, that could make sense and it could be fun and we could get to know each other better. So I think there's going to be, you know, they say necessity is the mother of invention. I think there's going to be a lot more people based on enlightened self-interest beginning to cooperate and develop uh, informal networks and trusting kinds of relationships that occurred very much at other points in time and space, you know, on the earth at different, different, different times. And so I think we're kind of going to a combination of kind of going back to more organic roots and communities and connections combined with all the new incredible technologies that are coming. And I think that's what I see, and I see a lot of people leaving the planet, and I see that um, the people that are going to do the best are the people that are going to take responsibility proactively for becoming integral, functioning nodes in these networks where information and energy and love is going to be shared in a very fluid kind of way. And that's what I see. I like it. Now, let me ask you, lots of hype, obviously, about the Mayan calendar, all the planetary alignments right now leading up to December 12, 2012, or 21st, 2012, um, you know, and, and from 3, 4D reality to a, a, a 5D experience. What's your take on all this? Well, I definitely think we're moving towards some watershed uh sort of, uh, um, what would you call it, like a dimensional doorway kind of thing. I think we're definitely moving toward uh, a whole new set of possibilities where we can't even predict intelligently what is going to happen because we don't even have the vocabulary for the Mm -hmm. possibilities that are going to exist. It would be as if I was trying to talk to my late mother about um, cutting-edge things on the Internet. She would have no vocabulary. She would have no language. She would have no set of distinctions to be able to relate what I'm saying to anything in her experience. And I have a hunch that it's kind of like that, that we don't have the vocabulary to relate to it in a meaningful way. And so I think that's why the, the Mayan elders decided to symbolize that watershed intersection of energies in the way that they did, not that it would be the end of the world like nothing, like death, but it would be 
it would be beyond their linguistic capacities to effectively communicate. So I think we're moving into that kind of watershed. That's the word I was looking for. We're look, we're coming into that kind of watershed moment where a whole new set of possibilities will become available that we don't even have linguistic distinctions for yet. Okay, love the answer. How do you, how, how do you guys? Uh, how do you, you guys have been asking me a lot of questions, and I, I'm kind of curious how you guys are resonating with my with my take on all of this. I'm right in alignment. I, I loved your answer to the last question. Um, and, and it's just, uh, I mean, you know, I, I don't think we know. I, I'm, I'm finding this opportunity to speak with you really fascinating. Um, and, and it really has to do with um, how you've learned the lessons of your own life. Um, it has to do with with your your dedication, and and I guess in just a couple of words, it is your conscious awareness um, of you and your role that touches me the most in 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 our experience together tonight, and that is that's beautiful. Um, and then you. you know these last couple of questions and the answers. Um, you know, really, I mean, we, we, we do this, we do this broadcast every week. I mean, there are times that when the broadcast is over, Ilian and I, um, call each other and, um, you know, I can remember a couple of times this year already where my comment was, I didn't really agree with the person. They really triggered me and I love it because it gets me reevaluating what I think my foundation beliefs are. And so I'm not going through that with you. I'm not challenged at all by anything you've said. Um, you know, on the contrary, I'm, I'm in, you know, immense alignment with, um, your words and, and loved what you said earlier about, it's not about what you're doing. It's about, it's about how you're being, who you're being, what you're being is putting out there. Um, I, I, yeah, I think I, it's really important, Dr. Dream, because because there's a whole field that a lot of people don't even know exists, which is called ontology, O-N-T-O-L-O-G-Y, which is actually the science or the study of being, as opposed to like epistemology, which would be the study or the science of thinking. There actually is a discipline called ontology which has to do with uh, studying the nature of being, who we're being. And this conversation, this ontological conversation, has not been part of the American psyche at all. I mean, those of us that are interested in being and ontology are very much on the fringe of the fringe of the collective consciousness of the United States. And so uh, I appreciate very much your acknowledgement of the power of being. And this also relates very much to my theory about the waxing of the feminine energy because uh, being and allowing beingness and creating the space for beingness is a very feminine energy. It's a very feminine principle of allowing and of being and of creating space. And um, 
this is something that most Americans don't know that they don't know about. <laughs> and when you don't know that you don't know about something, that kind of blindness can lead to an arrogance and it can be almost dangerous. And so I think you're really serving the listeners by directing their attention to the importance of my comment about how 60 to 70% of the power of my work is simply coming from the quality of being. Yeah. Yes. And I, I actually also wanted to kind of chime in and just say that I uh, fully and wholeheartedly agree uh, with what you're saying, Dr. David, and um, your words really do resonate. And uh, through my journey and through my experience um, and gathering all the pieces of the puzzle uh, and hearing you speak, uh, definitely, I feel a sort of uh, synchronous balance. So, um, yeah, just wanted to let you know that I definitely am in resonance uh, with uh, what you believe and uh, how you are being. Wonderful. Great. I love this. I absolutely love it. Um, there was something that was said. My mind is going so fast right now, and I, I, I really appreciate... Um, how you took the opportunity here just a few moments back to to flip the tables and and bring us fully into um to the discussion again it's that's just to me um a symptom if you will of this conscious awareness um that you carry or based on what we've just been saying it's it's a it it's it's part of your being and so even just the example of that in this in this broadcast tonight now um we haven't talked about uh where you're located dr david where your practice is how people can find you um and then you know please give us a plug on um healthy wealthy and wise Okay, thanks a lot so uh i'm going to give you my contact information now so you might want to write this down so my name is David Kamnitzer. My last name is spelled K-A-M as in Mary, N as in Nancy, I-T-Z-E-R. And my email address is my first name, David, and then a dot like a period, and then my last name at gmail.com. And my cell phone number is 858-204-3092. 858-204-3092. It's a cell phone number from when, from when I lived in San Diego and I just kept that number, but I actually live in the San Francisco Bay Area, um, kind of between San Francisco and San Jose, and my practice is halfway between there in Redwood City, so some people do come and see me here in person, and then I also do have clients that I'm able to do about 80% of my work with long distance from all over the world where we communicate through a combination of telephone calls that can be recorded, uh, group calls, emails, uh, video conferencing, etc. So I am available, and uh, as I mentioned, my uh, one area of expertise I probably should mention that I didn't go into specifically that I think is really important is a subspecialty within the biochemical realm, which is called nutritional cleansing. And nutritional cleansing, and this is a really important idea, because a lot of people try to cleanse without making sure that they're nutritionally supported and they get into trouble. And then there's a lot of people that try to improve their nutrition, but 
but they don't cleanse, so they can't get very far. So one of my area of expertise is this area of nutritional cleansing where we simultaneously give the body what we need at the same time that we help the body get rid of what it doesn't need. And, and there's a lot of benefits to that in terms of quality of life, weight loss, fat loss, increased energy, etc. So that's an area of expertise I can help people with all over the world. So that's uh, something. And then for those of you that felt a deep resonance with my work and you'd like to work with me, feel free to get in touch with me. Also, if you know people who you think this would be a blessing for, just share this recording and, uh, you know, pay it forward. Don't don't be afraid to uh, to to take a stand and say, hey, I think this guy's worth listening to. And then finally, you know, for those of you out there that are that subset of people that is like, yeah, I'm ready to to make the deep commitment to this kind of quality of being and I'd like some guidance. Uh, you're the people I really want to connect with because, as I said, my passion right now is transformational leadership and you may be a perfect person to be mentored by me and be part of that unique group of people. So I appreciate that. Actually, the book you mentioned actually was a book that I wrote uh, several years ago, and uh, we won't have time to get into that book today, but basically I kind of foresaw the, the, the times that we're in now, and I realized that the key things to get through it in a good way were going to be to stay healthy and to be able to have access to resources and to have the wisdom to understand what's going on. And so I wrote a book uh, a while ago that addressed that, and it's in an ebook form, and you can email me that if you'd like more information on that. And then I also, uh, a couple years ago, with my friend and student Kathy Bibby, actually wrote a second book that's also in ebook form, which if you're interested in that, it was a book that I wrote where I combined my interest in all the stuff we're talking about today with enlightened entrepreneurship uh, because I thought that the creativity was going to come primarily through the private sector as opposed to the government. So I wrote a book called Business from the Heart, Entrepreneurship with uh, as a Spiritual Path. Business from the Heart, Entrepreneurship as a Spiritual Path. And uh, I think it's quite a profound book and it's also available as an e-book, and so if you're interested in entrepreneurship as a spiritual path, you might want to inquire about that book as well. And uh, I appreciate the time, the opportunity you gave me to kind of uh, toot my horn there marketing-wise and give people a chance to get in touch with me. Well, Dr. David, we appreciate, uh, again, you taking your time um, and sharing uh, your insights uh, and your energy with us and our listeners. Uh, it means the world to us. And, and a big shout-out to uh, our mutual friend, uh, Sunwolf, for uh, arranging this, uh, this connection. And um, I, don't, I, I think you probably heard um, I'm spending part of each month up in, um, up in Mendocino. So... Um, very possibly along the way, I'd like to pop in and meet you in person, Dr. David. I'd like that, Dr. Dream. And what's the name of the other gentleman? Ilya. Uh, my here. name is Ilya. 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 And it was nice Ilya. to meet you, too. And, uh, you know, anything you can do to help disseminate this recording far and wide and encourage other people to do the same would mean a lot to me. And, uh, 
God bless you guys and, and, and continue on in, in good health and good spirits and um you know please continue to uh to spread the light and uh appreciate the opportunity to spend an hour and a half with you today. Thank you so much. We appreciate you and we know that our listeners do. Uh let's see, as a side note here, um I'm I got really excited hearing you close out there and you were talking about um uh diets and things like that. I meet tomorrow with Jenny Ross, the owner and uh chef at the Raw Living Foods restaurant 118 degrees here in Southern California to start um a two week program with her. Very excited about that and you'll be seeing quite a bit of uh, collaboration with uh, Dr. Dream, the Dream Team, and 118 Degrees. Um, We are on the slippery slope right now to Burning Man. Everything's coming together in the most incredible ways uh, possible. And uh, we have an event at the Temple of Visions on August 19th, and then another event on August 20th, and we'll be getting uh, both of those um, details on those events out to you. So um, it is with tremendous gratitude and just this overflowing sense of of love for all that is and the divine perfection that we are greeted with in each moment of our experience. Thank you all so much for being here with us tonight and sharing with us. And please, take every opportunity that you have to share that love that is just an endless supply radiating from your heart. Thank you all so much, and uh, we'll be back next week. Oh, Ilya, who's our guest next week? Uh, Next week, our guest is Montgomery Taylor, and he's a world-renowned astrologer. Uh, he is an absolutely amazing being. I've seen him uh, live here in New York at the Meta Center, so uh, please do uh, make sure to attend that radio show. It's going to be very, very amazing. So, yes, yeah, thank you for reminding me about that, Dr. Green. Excellent. And we'll have all the information out on that tonight or first thing tomorrow. Again, thank you all very much, and uh, share the love. We'll be back next week. Blessings. Blessings of love, everyone. Good night. Good night.